So today we welcome to the show Bob Peck. Bob is a filmmaker, an author. He created, in my opinion, a really incredible documentary called The Kingdom Within. You can actually watch that for free now on YouTube. Um, I really enjoyed it a lot. Uh, he also wrote a book a year ago and has been gaining, I think, even more popularity as time goes on. It's called Original Sin is a Lie. And as more people are beginning to evolve out of these more dogmatic, small understandings of uh, religion, Christianity in particular, people are needing resources to help point them in the direction of the divine within them. And Bob does an incredible job of helping you see into the truth of who you are. He really shares the, the connections between many different spiritual paths. I love that he is a devotee of Christ, Krishna, the Buddha, and Paramahansa Yogananda. And he really ties a lot of these ideas together in his book into just one cohesive understanding of what it means to live and move and have your being in oneness with God. As you'll hear in just a moment, um, we just jump right into it. When Bob jumped on the, the call, I just immediately had to hit record because we just started riffing and I'm like, yeah, the podcast started. So uh, you'll enjoy this conversation and I will say there's a cliffhanger at the end because one of the key things I really wanted to talk to Bob about, we didn't really get to cover in this episode. And that topic that we didn't get to talk about is the connection between Yogananda's interpretation of the New Testament and actual New Testament scholarship. How does that bridge together? Uh, is this something that Yogananda is just sort of reading his own interpretation into, or is there some real validity to Yogananda's commentary on the New Testament? Uh, because something I don't think I mentioned yet is Bob went to the University of Texas, uh, studied religious studies, early Christian formation development, and uh, really has a lot of wisdom about the early Christian years, the canonization of scripture, and uh, which really informed him as well to write his book, Original Sin is a Lie. So there will be a sequel to this episode to talk about some of those topics, but for today, I think you're really going to enjoy the multiplicity of things that we cover in this conversation. Without further ado, Bob Peck. To share ideas when, when there's so much, um, you know, misunderstanding, misinterpretation. Yeah. It's like, it, it's okay that it's niche, you know, for me. It's like, I don't care because it's very interesting and it's, there's literally tens of millions of people that yeah. have never heard of the idea that I come not to drink peace, but a sword is actually symbolic mystical instruction you know yeah. like that's that's the bumper sticker on the veterans tacoma <laughs> and you know and it's like it's not quite what you think it is my brother but you luke. know what it is luke indeed uh i've been initiated into the secret teachings of master <laughs> right. yeshua right, but right, I, right. I think that's the thing dude is like like you said you're okay that it's niche and that's taken me a little while to come around to being mm. pastor's kid and church planter and wanting to having that feeling within me that I wanted to do something big in the world. And then you mm. go into this like esoteric hidden knowledge where Jesus is like, if you get it, you get it. If you don't, you don't, you know, and exactly. uh, that's a hard thing for, I think a lot of people, man, um, who have come from like this very uh, evangelistic push 
because this is kind of the opposite of that. But Jesus does that time and time again. If you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, don't roll with me. And it's like, that's not a great uh, ministry tactic. (laughs) (laughs) That's so funny. And that's very courageous of you to be vulnerable about that, you know, in terms of like, wanting to kind of pre you know be, be bigger get it out there more you know it's 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 for exactly who it's for you know yeah. it's like I, I i and i this is also for me to remind this i'm sharing that with you but i'm sharing that with me too because you know it's like for from from my work the past about a year a book came out last september i was doing tiktoks basically beginning of last year is kind of when i started being public about this stuff and um very slow incremental growth you yeah. know, but very devoted people that really appreciate the work, you know, and it's like, and because I've seen people explode, you know, yeah. out of nowhere. And you're just like, oh, wow. And, you know, and non-duality is just not that, uh, you know, compelling to most people. They're like, do I really want to know that this is all a dream? <laughs> I don't know. What I really want is the nice car. What I really want, you know, it's like, uh it's not quite the uh the abundance circuit you know but um but that's okay yeah. you know yeah to your point it's like yeah you just want people that are really engaged with it and and really for me i think the most special the whole reason i'm really like doing this and committed to doing it you know kind of here on out is because of some messages i've got that are just unbelievable people saying i was very you know in the middle of the ocean had no idea where to go, what to read, what, to, you know, and your book helped point me, you know, your book is how I found Ramana Maharshi or your book is how I found Zen Buddhism or, you know, I've got a couple of those and it's like, okay, I'll make a thousand TikToks, you know, it's like, yeah. great. And, you know, there's people that are, that are looking for the life raft and I'm not the life raft to be totally. clear, <laughs> yeah. but, you know, but I've, I have a, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a billboard. I'm happy to be a billboard. Yeah. I, I mean, but that's kind of the thing is with your work is like, you're really giving people the things that, that enabled you to walk on this path. And I think that's all it is. Like whenever you get to that place in your journey where you're like, I'm just handing people the tools that help me like exactly. carve, carve the way, you know? And you just become then, like every teacher talks about, just a vessel, just a, a conduit for something that transcends you, includes you, but goes beyond you. And uh, But yeah, non-duality here, can be here. kind of a hard Beautiful. sell. But the thing is, man, like with, with that, and I, this is something I wanted to talk about specifically, um, is non-duality has, is a niche, but it has become this kind of like very buzzwordy thing in these niches. You know what I mean? And it's like, it has become its own. This is non-dual. That's dual. And it just sort of fucks (laughs) the whole thing up of like, like, you know, so I'm just kind of curious, like what you're seeing in that regard. um, And then really, to back up even before that, we didn't really like properly start, but does anything ever properly start? In the universe? <laughs> yeah. uh, it all is. Um, but like your, your movement into a non-dual awareness, but you've had this affinity for like Christianity and learning about its origins, study, going to school, college for this, 
like, I want to learn a little bit more about your Christian formation and how that then became, to use another popular buzzword, deconstructed and how you moved into the non-dual space. And then this is kind of a loaded question, so we can break it down, but how you still see some of the, the, the stains, I don't know if that's a good word mm. or not, but the stains of where we've been that continue to trickle over into whatever sort of new awareness that we think we're walking into, you know, we still hold dogmatism to some degree, you know, sure. and yeah. uh, especially in the non-dual space, it's like, no, that's, that's not real Zen Buddhism. This, you know, and we, it's like, we might as well just be scribes and Pharisees, you know? And um, I don't know. I, I've found some people I follow being quite dogmatic in this space. So long winded thing, but bring me like formation and then into the deconstruction yeah. season. And then I'm just going to, let you yeah, roll. no, that's uh, those are all great questions. And thanks, thanks for the context. And uh, and and you know, I, I I'm happy to share. I also want to learn about you and your background as a pastor and a passions kid because I'm uh, I think that's super interesting to like come into this space from that background. Um, so we'll get there too. But mm -hmm. um, you know, I think the first thing I would, I'd say is there's a really really great about non duality for it. Share some of my story. This is a really great article, and I, I I'm promising that I'm going to do some videos on it, some work on it. Um, it's from the 2000s on the internet. It's one of those ancient um, blog posts. It's called, basically, if you search Advaita and Neo Advaita, and the author is Timothy Conway, um, highly, mm. highly recommend. I've storied about it. I'm going to do more work on it. But um, really, in the 90s and 2000s, um, this term emerged called Neo Advaita, which is kind of, it's kind of what we're doing, Luke. It's basically white dudes in America talking about Advaita Vedanta. And, uh, and which, you know, yeah, which I've done and been, you know, I've read, I am that, and I've read, uh, you know, uh, um, we don't have Indian names yet, so. Right. Well, right. That's a whole nother issue. Um, but yeah, Tim Conway really breaks it down in terms of these teachers that were, you know, using the kind of quotable quotes of Sri Ramana, like just be still or, you know, Nisargadatta and, and Sri Ramana, what's really beautiful about them, these mid-century Indian uh, masters of, uh, Advaita is called the jewel of Indian philosophy. Um, they are so, they're, they're very brutal. I mean, they're brutally honest about, I mean, uh, Nisargadatta has a quote, I'll find it, where he says like, I'm dead already. Like, what's the transitory is already gone. Don't you understand? You know, I mean, it's almost patronizing how their level of awareness, but, but I, what's Tim Conway explains is the traditional or kind of real Advaita quote unquote, ha what it has that Neo Advaita kind of new Advaita doesn't have is that Advaita Vedanta in India is rooted in a foundation on ethics and even heart centric practices. So there's a level of morality and ethical service sadhanas that one does before you're entering into this realm of kind of intellectualized spirituality, which the new Advaitins, you know, they're kind of, they're almost combative with people or they're patronizing with people, kind of some of these big teachers in America, they'll have someone up on stage and just say, don't you realize that we're here, that this is it, you know, and they, they have this, some of them, mm -hmm. I'm not going to name it. He, I think he points out a couple examples, but 
Anyway, highly recommend Tim Conway on a more detailed distinction between Advaita and kind of Neadvaita, the, the right way to look at the illusion philosophies and kind of the modern uh, issues. Uh, but yeah, that said, I mean, I, I, um, I've kind of always been into this stuff. My, my mom's, one of my mom's friends asked her last year, um, about like, oh, your son wrote a book on religion. Like, what's that all about? And, uh, she goes, she said, when all the other little kids were reading Harry Potter, Bob was reading Thich Nhat Hanh. And that's true. <laughs> I really was. I read living Buddha, living Christ in like seventh grade or something like that. And, uh, really? yeah, I, dude, great. It's book. amazing. Uh, you know, and I just, I so enjoyed the East, um, pretty early. I read Yogananda in college. And so, um, I just was just entranced by these guys because very broadly, you know, I, I know your audience is aware of this, but very broadly, the East tends to be more inclusive. Uh, that's not the case for all yeah. Eastern paths or teachers. Right. But just, in, you know, the, the, the broad swath of it is there's a, all paths are valid and all teachers have some, their own flavor or their own version of the truth kind of for based on where you are. And mm -hmm. I just, I felt the inherent intuitive, honest truth of that a long time ago. And meanwhile, I'm, you know, I grew up in Texas. I'm in Austin now, which is yeah. very open-minded and very SoCal shout out to my Pacific coast brothers. But, um, well, everybody's rolling over that way, man. <clears throat> you guys are coming here to Austin. Yeah. Spot. Yeah. Yeah. Which is great. You know, come on in. Um, I, I'm glad that you think that I, mean, I do some, uh, insurance work too. That's the boring side of my life. But, uh, I just did a policy for somebody in Austin and they're like, you guys need to stop moving here. You know, she had this whole thing. Well, she moved here about five it. years ago, probably. I, so I said, where did you come from? She said, Pasadena. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, you know, Mirrorland. See you know. how it's Mirrorland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's, That's it. Funny. So with that, like I'm what's what's really curious to me, and maybe just because I'm, you know, PK or whatever, in seventh grade, if I brought a Thich Nhat Han book home or Harry Potter book <laughs> home, I would have been in trouble. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like as a matter of fact, on the Harry Potter thing, well that was which, I, teach, I was in fourth that was grade. Devilish, actually, to some folks, right? Well, yeah, it's black right. magic, man, and you're it's you're dealing, you know, spiritual warfare, whatever. I remember uh, in fourth grade they wanted to read the, uh, that's whenever it came out for me, the Sorcerer's Stone or whatever. And they had to send a permission slip home. And the only other girl in my class, her dad was on staff at my dad's church. So we had to go out in the hallway and sit in the hallway while they read Harry Potter. But it was this whole thing where like I bought my, got my first Bible given to me at that time. Right. And you know, my dad is so proud because I chose the way of light instead of darkness and this, that, and oh, third, whatever. Yeah. So your parents are clearly cool with all of this <laughs> and you're in Texas and you're reading Thich Nhat Hanh and I know exploring it's bizarre. spirituality. And you're prevented from reading Harry Potter Ooh. in California. What a bizarre uh, mix up. Uh, I was in Indiana. Oh, you're in Indiana actually. Okay. I was in the Midwest. That makes more sense. So. Indiana. <laughs> more sense for sure. I mean, I, I, and you know, I did a recent like deconstruction story. Like I didn't have a, a super, super strict upbringing, yeah. you know, but like in contrast to some of the others, but yeah. like, for you, like whenever I whenever I hear someone who's written a book like yours, which I'll do an intro for this later, but so people would already know about it. But original sin is a lie. You've done this. The kingdom of heaven is within you. All this stuff, right? Like I would think on the out. Whenever I first saw your work, I'm like, oh, this is a guy who 
probably grew up in a conservative household and broke away from that and potentially has an estranged relationship with his parents. And then I saw a reel where you're like, my parents have been seekers and they've been open and I'm reading Buddhist books in seventh grade. I'm like, what the (laughs) fuck's this, man? Yeah. So break that down. It's confusing. I know. I, 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 uh, yeah, it's, it's, um, Actually, I went on another podcast and she goes, oh, so your dad did the work for you. I was like, oh, I haven't thought about it like mm. that. He, um, he kind of has that act one, act two, act three narrative in terms of um, he grew up altar boy in Dallas, Texas, uh, Catholic church, Catholic school. He's a very strong willed person. I'm much more kind of open tree hugger than him. I love my dad and I have a great, great relationship, yeah. but we're very different. And he kind of left the Catholic church very dramatically and, you know, to the, to the lamentation of his parents and became a militant atheist. He was a, he was a, he was an argue with you atheist, you know, kind of in his twenties and thirties. And then he met a woman. He, my parents got divorced when I was a baby and they're still cool. It's all good. I'm normal. And, uh, he, (laughs) relatively and uh he met this woman who was basically a she was a massage therapist she was a reiki master she used essential oil this is in like 1992 um in texas so she was like way ahead of her time um you know into kind of new age and mystic spirituality and he just had all these experiences he basically got into really into meditation started reading these books and started having synchronistic moments right which is that the Carl Jung term for glitches in the matrix, right? And I know you're familiar, but just for mm-hmm. your audience, whenever you have moments that are kind of unexplainable or cosmic cosmic connections, if you will, there's no going back, you know? And so he's, that was his act three. And that was when I was a little kid. So he was, he was kind of coming into this when I was um, a young boy. And um, so they, and my mom is an Easter Christmas Christian. Her, her family is from East Texas, but they're very open and just sweet, mild mannered. We went to church twice a year. Mm-hmm. I kind of had them for the community exposure, but nothing too crazy. And then my dad, meanwhile, was reading of course of miracles. And I think he read autobiography of a yogi when we went on some ski trip and he's like, this is pretty good. And now that guy's on my wall, you know, <laughs> so, so cool. uh, so yeah, so I'm really grateful, you know, for him to kind of pass the pass the torch to me in a sense. Um, and then I went, to, I just really got into this stuff, so I went to school for it. I I have a bachelor's, I don't have a master's, you know. So that that was a limiting belief for a while. Was like, I don't have a graduate degree in theology or divinity or whatever, you know. But I do have a religious. I don't have degree any of that bachelor's. anyway. I know, I know. I, I, Corey Allen, who's a pretty big guy on Instagram, if you know, he, I talked to him a few times and he goes, I was about to put the book out. And I said, I, I just only have a bachelor's. And he goes, Bob, he goes, let me just stop you real quick. He goes, I didn't go to college. So just drop that, will you? You know, and it's like, okay, thanks. Man. He has a million followers or whatever you know, about his writing. Dude, he's awesome. So he's great. He's a sweet guy. So, yeah. yeah. So anyway, living belief. But I, so I studied. I think I took about four classes on Jesus, two on Paul, two on the Apocrypha. And really, you know, kind of to bring it back to the book, what I what I found uh, very clearly in Bible scholarship, it's like it's not a conspiracy, is that these are extremely human documents. 
They do have very legitimate ethical teachings in them, which is why they have value and they're still around 2000 years later. However, there's distinctions, there's discrepancies, there's even contradictions. They're not massive contradictions. I think some of the atheist accusations are not quite honest in some ways, but but the infallibility camp in Christianity is just is just factually incorrect. I mean, just there's no way that you can reconcile right. the differences of the portrayals of the gospels, for example. So I just said, man, this is really compelling. Yeah to kind of have this information and then going into, you know, Yogananda, I think you were talking about it recently, the second coming of Christ, the resurrection within you, you know, Yogananda wrote this commentary on the Bible, um, Thich Nhat Hanh, living, mm-hmm. Buddha, living Christ, you know, when you read the mystics take on the Bible, that opens it up, you know? So what kind of what I'm trying to do is say, here's the scholarship of it and here's the mystical ter- interpretation of it. And it's kind of, the yin and yang of those yeah. two um, have been really profound for me and, 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 and helpful. Well, something that's interesting about that to me, and this is what I want to, you know, really get some honest uh, where your head was at. Cause whenever you're in Texas, you're influenced clearly. And that's what I argue with people all the time about not really argue, but I advocate for is that everyone has a relationship with Jesus in America. In, even if you're an hmm. atheist, I mean, it's, it's everywhere. Right. It's aware. He's, he's, it's, omni- he's you know, omniscient. <laughs> yes. I mean, you could be anywhere in America, the most secular city and say yeah. Jesus. And there's images, there's narrative. There's, if you say Krishna, it, I don't know, like they don't have yeah. an awareness for that. So everyone has a relationship with Jesus in America. Yeah, period. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my, that's been my like revisiting work to ministry is like helping people understand the non-dual nature of Christ and his wisdom teachings. But what I'm curious about is a college student who is clearly influenced in some degree or another by the avatar of Jesus. We wouldn't have language for that probably as teens, but like you're exposed to Buddhism, you're exposed to Hinduism through Yogananda, but you chose to press into Jesus, where a lot of people, because Christianity is so familiar in America, they would want to go to the more exotic. You were presented with the exotic and went the more like, you know, I watched your uh, documentary, The Kingdom of Heaven, you know, uh, yeah. I'm Thanks. just the kingdom within, but yeah, yeah. the kingdom within, yeah, uh, the kingdom of heaven is within you, you know, whatever. But like, yeah, it was great. I want to chat about that in a little bit too. But like, my judgmental self as I see like these pastors you're talking to. And I'm like, if I were to pick who to hang out with, <laughs> you know, from the people yeah, yeah, yeah. that were it's on one yogis. side or the other, like <laughs> I would hang out with the yogis, like even whenever I was a teen, That's probably funny. I'd yeah. be like, these guys are nerds, yeah. you know, but you chose to go the path of learning the nerds understanding why. Yeah, man, it's a great question. Thanks for That's asking probably that. derogatory to me. This no, it's true. Well, better, but you know, what's funny about that <laughs> film, that film was, I, I, I think I started with about 12 interviews and they were all pro unity. And then I was mm. at a party and I was talking about the films and this guy was brutally honest with me. He was just an acquaintance, but he was in production. And he said, he goes, it's all people that agree with you. He's like, you need to find some crazy pastors. Like you need to find somebody that mm. is like off the wall or I'm not going to watch it. You know, I mean, 
was very like, just slapped me in the face with that. And I was like, oh, oh shit. Okay, man. And so I did. I found three. I, I emailed 20 and I got three pastors who are like, yeah, I'll talk to you, you know? And one of them yeah. is like super firebrand. I'm thrilled he's in the film. He's the guy with the white hair in the white background. And he says stuff that's like almost Westboro Baptist, Baptist churchy. Uh, but then there's two other guys yeah, that yeah. are kind of more middle of the road conservative fundamentalist who say so they say some night, you know, they're like, well, eh, but, you know, but then everybody else is like, it's all one. Can't you understand? And then my pastor actually is in it. So my for me, uh, when I was a little kid in East Texas in Beaumont, my, my family's from this town on the border of Louisiana and Texas called Beaumont. It's pretty awful place. No, sorry, Beaumonters. No offense. The food's great. But it's pretty uninteresting town. I don't know if I have any listeners in Louisiana new demographics. Sorry, Beaumont, this, Texans. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I love y'all. But East I'm not going Texas. back. Um, that's so mean. Um, Austin's better. But anyway, the past, <laughs> my pastor in that in that town was amazing. Uh, his name is Father Pat, Father Patrick Gahan. And he was just charismatic and just humble. And, like, he would make you laugh and, like, make you fucking cry. Like, he was just incredibly gifted orator and just warm just all the positive characteristics of like a true christian preacher and so that yeah. he baptized me episcopal when i was a little kid and then he when i moved to, i moved to austin when i was about 10 and then he moved up to wimberley which is near austin um kind of randomly and so when i was i think my mom or something told me that and so i went and filmed him so he's in the film and he's amazing mm. And he, his testimony, he says something like, which I quote in the book, he says something like, I don't know many mature Christians who discount God's other holy messengers. You know, he's like, I know mine mm. <laughs> and I, he's transformed my life, but I'm not, that's arrogant to suggest that there's mm. not other, you know, I mean, it's beautiful and to have a Texas preacher say yeah. stuff like that. So I, he, I was exposed Very to him and very rare and uh you know he tells for example the the story of the parable of the good samaritan which you know touches my heart the parable of the prodigal son or my kind of two faves um that i that i have in that film and in my book and i just i really mm -hmm. i really dig the galilean you know he's really really great and it's it's almost it's like i learned <laughs> that the real guy's cool and everybody doesn't, our generation, whatever, is not into this false version of it, you know? So it's like, it's it's a real honor for me to try to get across kind of the real the real version, you know, the, the truer version. Um, and then somebody said, somebody in my comments and Christians said like, well, this is the gospel of Bob, <laughs> you know, whatever. So anyway, I'm always going to get... And, and Paul but, has uh, his own gospel, too. He says, this is my gospel, you know, right. like, I mean, it, everybody's it's everybody's... Imperfect transmission, you know, but yeah. but he's really great. And yeah, I'm Yogananda working... Uh, said, use the word avatar, you know, Yogananda considers him an avatar. This is this is one of the highest humans of all of all human civilization. So I'm happy to, to, to share his wisdom. Well, you, know. you apparently... Uh, you apparently dug him so much that you spent a bunch of money and four years of your life to devote yourself <laughs> yeah, to, still paying it, to be honest. his teachings <laughs> and 
So, and, and that's what I'm wanting to like see is like, like what would like, you knew that you weren't going to like be a pastor. You know what I mean? People that spend money in that four years of their life doing that, they either, you know, want to be a, a, a pastor or whatever, or they're like training to be a Bible teacher at a seminary or something, you know? So it's like you and Bart Ehrman are like the only people on planet Earth, you know, <laughs> that learned this shit to basically like debunk evangelicals, you That's know what funny. I mean? But uh, really, though, I appreciate like, that. There's a few of us, but you're right. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot more. I'm just being, you know, whatever. Um, so I'm curious. I appreciate like, the comp. When you, yeah, man, yeah, for sure. Um, like you're making this decision to go study. Um, you were were you a part of like a church? Did you have like a young adults group that you were a part of that you were able to go slam dunk on people? Or no. like what was what was Bob's life like? that made him interested again in these very sort of like familiar narratives. I remember I write about this in my book, which is the, I went to vacation Bible school with a, with a friend when I was really young, I would go to those um, in East Texas. Again, my pastor was great and our church was very like open and stuff. But when you, when you're a little kid, as we all remember, when you would stay the night at your friend's house on Saturday night in Texas, Sunday morning, you wake up and you got to go to church with them. <laughs> so it wasn't my family church, but I went to a Baptist, hardcore Baptist church with my friend, you know, so, several times. And I remember being a little kid and just be like, this is extremely different vibrations. And, you know, a, a little old lady came up to me and said, do you want eternal life? Because if you do, literally, it was like, sign your name at this thing that says Jesus is Lord and Savior. It's like, that's, that's all you got to do, you know. And I just, I was like eight. Yeah. And I remember being like, this is not true. Yeah. Like, I just, you know, so there was, there's moments like that. And, and, and just, you know, seeing, seeing folks go to church. And I actually did go to, to a youth group to go see Passion in high school. It was like a big youth. Some of my mm. friends were in it. So I like went with them to go see it. And they were being like, eh, pretty big focus on the blood here. You know, so I've always kind of been, Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. It's just uh, it, 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 nothing too dramatic. I think what, what's funny about what you said earlier is like, I think you're right. I think that happens to people who kind of stumble on my work. They're like, oh, this guy must have had a fucking hell of an exit. And, um, and I really didn't, you know, I really, um, I'm, I'm grateful that I didn't, you know, I'm, I mean, I'm, yeah. I honor people that have had those and, and, and some of them, you know, our buddy Daniel left the worship band, you know, he was the cool guitarist. There's, there's a group of guys and now you're a part of them, but there's a fun kind of group of guys and gals that I've been kind of collaborating with. And this other guy, Cub, he was the AV guy at church, you know, and then he started talking about the Buddha oh, okay. and the pastor fired him. You know, and so now he does a podcast of his AV genius on mysticism with three broadcasts live. And, all you know, it's like he's the AV guy that's like the 2.0 and now he's into mystic, you know, but he was the church, you know, AV team. And, and, and yeah. so I've seen a lot of folks that had those um, exits and I and I honor that. But um, 
But yeah, it, it missed me for some reason. And that's perhaps why, I mean, to the larger point here, why I still am into it because I didn't lose, you know, the bad, the bad taste in my mouth. I mean, I've had comments on my stuff where people say, I never want to hear the word Bible again, you know, and I'm like, yeah. Oof, I, 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 I honor that. And I, I'm sorry that you had it sh- shoved down your throat for, you know, a decade or two, because that's come, that resistance comes yeah. from real trauma and indoctrination. So, you know, I get it, you know, then, then yeah. go read Thich Nhat Hanh for 20 years, you know, or, or a Rumi or something, you know, there's, you don't need, you don't need the Bible. Um, but it's yeah. my, my role is to just say, Hey, there's, there's some gems in there. It's not perfect, but you know, don't, you know, don't throw out the baby yeah. with the bath, the bit, the baby's beautiful. The bath water is filthy, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's, what's good about like your story and stuff too, is because there is the, uh, there's a lot less of the emotional damage that's had to be sorted yeah. out so that you can approach it from a much more, just like you're saying, like, you're, you're approaching it from a scholarly perspective, but an experiential perspective and able to hold that tension really well, where a lot of people, you know, it is emotionally fueled. And I'll admit for me in the earlier years of doing this stuff, I started Spiritual Nomad as a project in January 2017. So it's like been an intermittent thing, whatever. Oh, nice. And the early stuff is very much emotionally fueled and um, but also just curious, you know, like trying to sort through things, whatever. But what I appreciate about you and your work is you're able to do it with a level head, if you will, like, you know, and not get too wrapped up into all of it, you know? Thanks, man. Um, there's a, there's, it seems like there's yeah, a punk so, rock period for most people, right? Of like that, that yeah, exit, you're sure. just kind of like, screw all of it. It's all BS. And how dare they, you know? And that seems to be necessary and useful for most people. But then there's a softening and then there's a, you know, you eat a mushroom and, and everybody's like, wait a second. like Love your enemies. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that was, and that was part of my thing too. I had, I had already come to this sort of the mystic path and oneness. And then, you know, psilocybin just confirmed that in 2020. But, yeah. um, does it ever? I think that, like, oh gosh, yeah, dude. I mean, that's like everything that beyond word, all the stuff that everybody talks about, like this, this love beyond words, this awareness beyond conception you know from your own mind like it just confirms all of that that stuff you know and uh it's incredible but a lot of people are so scared of that and and a lot of people then too kind of discount and i've not really talked about it too publicly because coming from the church world i'm aware that people will almost immediately then like discredit you as invalid because of moral things that you choose that don't fall in line with their value set you know yeah um, and thankfully so, that taboo's going away with... the, the taboo is going away yeah, thankfully totally. because of the legalities and because of the research but you're right it's been unfortunately it's been unfortunate you know and by the way just fun asterisk it's not the gateway to heaven it's not the key that unlocks all the mysteries the the the, the right. key that unlocks the mysteries is is right here uh, in your heart, that's yes, the only dude. place, but it psilocybin and a couple others can be useful tools as, you know, that's kind of how I try yeah. to describe it. Like, give me a glimpse. And if you just remember that they're tools, yeah. 
because people, I mean, and not to get too uh, Old Testament on us here, but we just create idols out of right. everything. And True. I've been frustrated about speaking about psychedelics because it's become such an, an idol thing mm-hmm. where this is the thing. And the minute that you think that you found the silver bullet, it disappears. Yeah. Because there is no silver bullet out here. Exactly. Silver bullets from within you. Beautiful. And there are things that, that help excavate that truth, but there's nothing that you can input. And it's what comes out of a person that defiles them. Well, you know what I mean? It's it's not what goes into you. So uh um, helpful tool, but people they get the uh they, they mix up the stream for the source a lot of times in this day and age, in my opinion. So you're here. Yeah. And you know, I don't know what to do about that. Set and setting. <laughs> you know, yeah. If anyone's interested in more research on that, uh, Michael Pollan is really, he, he's a New York Times journalist. He wrote um, How to Change Your Mind, which is the, which helped yep. with the taboo big time, actually, 2018. I was at a, I was at a bar with some coworkers and I've been a psychedelic supporter for long time and um yeah. <laughs> put it that way uh, i'm tripping right now no i'm just kidding um but i, yeah, I, I was at a i was at a bar at, with coworkers. i'm in tech and you know this this they're straighter and i'm the kind of the mystic in the machine and i'm at the bar and this guy goes somehow i go came up and he goes oh have you read michael pollan i was like no at the time you know so he's he's the guy who helped folks that had no, that had never read be here now yeah you know they read michael pollan so anyway right, yeah. he's great um and i cite him in my book i have a i got I that a book in the mail psychedelics mm. oh, oh yeah that's right i've been listening to it on audiobook by the way and oh, cool. uh it's it's really thanks. good it's really good man um thanks brother but on that so i'm curious to like to bring it back around to a little bit of this uh the non what's really interesting to me is like what a mystic means in life. Cause I think you're right. Like mm. the conceptions or the things like we can get sometimes so stuck on that. And so often what I do is just ground myself and just realize like, this is it. Mm. Whatever, whatever experience is right here, right now, even in the most painful times, whatever it's like this is it this is it this there is no other thing anywhere else idea can set like yeah. this is it and reminder. as a parent i know you said you had to take yeah it is and like i'm a dad you know i have two kids and and um you know i work other boring shit or whatever <laughs> and so i'm really curious about like what what is like the life of bob the mystic like all of this this you know awareness in this stuff like how does that express in your life like as being the husband the father and you like what do you like what do you do for your day gig or like how like what does the life of, of bob look like as a mystic well thank you yeah it's a it's a deep question the practical application you know um i think i think spirituality has to be practical i think it has to be experiential or it's pretty useless you know i think it's it's fun to read about the concepts and the concepts are useful because they can prime your mind for an experience but um if they don't help us embody it then it's it's really empty stuff and so yeah i mean i think what what mystic philosophy helps me with is uh, recognizing the inherent divinity in all beings you 
know, how can I appreciate and value, you know, not just myself, not just my loved ones, but, you know, everybody and everything. You know, I think that's really the goal of the mystic is to see the entire planet as not even just one family. You know, I think that there's a secular, which is good, secular kind of activism around we're all one family. With the mystics is we're all one. We're all one mind, you know. Um, mm. So really, yeah, living from that place, I, I don't do it um, all the time. I'm not, you know, but that's what I'm working on. It's 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 okay. It's it, it seems yeah. like there's this incremental kind of push towards uh, living in these principles. You know, for me at least, I, I I've noticed that it does work. <laughs> um, you know, it hasn't been instantaneous yeah. like some uh, Sri Ramana Maharshi or Byron Katie, uh, all both of whom I write about. You know, have this kind of awakening moment. Eckhart Tolle had an awakening moment. You know, which is wonderful, and they might have had many incarnations of no progress, you know, who knows, but for me, it's been very yeah. one step at a time. And, um, yeah, I think it, 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 the way it manifests is just being more peaceful, being more compassionate, um, you know, focusing on the present. I, I do have a, I have a corporate day job at Meta. Um, I was a starving artist in my twenties, uh, film, making films about religion and I didn't realize that nobody wanted to watch slow, boring documentaries about religion um, directed by a 24-year-old. <laughs> I do. At the time. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, you and five other people and, uh, and me. And um, that's okay. <laughs> I, uh, I licensed the, them to, one of them to Gaia, Keenan Within, and I just realized they, paid, they gave me a check for $5,000. And I was 24, and I was like, this is cool, but I just spent three years on this. So I need to find more skills. And so I learned marketing basically. So, uh, you know, big tech has come to my city here in Austin. So I learned basically, um, digital marketing is, is my, is my day job. I also do, um, I'm really, I'm proud to say that I'm a part of the mindfulness club, um, at Meta where we do basically meditations and trainings and, uh, it's all volunteer based. There's no executive leadership. In fact, executives have actually said, so there's some accusations, just side note from um, folks that like, it's called Nick Mindfulness. There's a book on it. And, and just like the idea that like corporations are using mindfulness to engender productivity and individualism and be good workers and such. I don't think that's true because I've been, uh, we we're tr really? dying to get money for programs. They don't give a damn, uh, you know, and, uh, mm. or, or, well, they do and they don't. I'll tell you what, it's hard to find the support. And so I like that it's grassroots. Mm. I like that it's, we, we've, we've literally asked very high ups to like get involved and help us. And it was not very useful. So it's a bunch of employees. We have regular meditations and we're just trying to plant seeds of, presence and stillness into a company that has about 3 billion users on its websites. So, um, you know, who, who knows what wow. we're doing, but what does that look like? I think it's just inconceivable. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, like, what is that? The, the, the amount of work yeah. that goes into something like this. So what does that look like for trying to create mindfulness and, and, 
essentially a lot of these toe toe dipping into the water of mysticism on like a three billion user scale. Like, I'm I'm really curious about how and what you do in in that world, or like where would I where would I see that come up as a user? Oh well, you won't see it come up as a user necessarily. What, what we're trying to do is focus on okay. Um, we're basic. I'm also on the sales side, so I have very little to do with like what the user sees and does unless you're getting an ad from one of my clients. So that's my job. Mm. But, um, you know, I'll talk about like breaking the veils with you or someone on a podcast and then I'll jump off and get on a call and talk about how to sell more sunglasses on Instagram. It's a paradoxical, uh, really? it's a paradoxical existence, <laughs> but that's okay. Um, profound and mundane. Hey, I talk about how people, I talk about how people should be able to heal themselves and you don't need big pharma. And then I go sell insurance. people health insurance policies. That's perfect. That's beautiful. <laughs> so, you know, I yeah. get it. I get yeah, it. Yeah, it's like, what is the Zen Buddhist? Uh, <laughs> Stephen Mitchell's Zen Buddhist teacher was a, a washing machine service mm. repairman. That was like his total. Yeah. He was like Dude, the I biggest master his, in the world. The gospel according to Jesus. Yeah, he's terrific. Yeah. He's great. Dude, his the gospel according to Jesus was was awesome. I'm sorry, we might have a lag here or something. I feel like I'm. Oh no, no, no! You're good. cutting you off. It. You're good. Times, no, but so. just just to come back, um, you know what what we're really focused on is, um, you know, teaching very ambitious tech workers how to meditate, um, and because I believe that the method is powerful enough to where it'll work. You know, it's what I've seen in my life and with others is like yoga is a great example when when i first started doing kriya yoga just like very spiritual yogananda it's kind of like kundalini it's Mm -hmm. chakra pranayama i was 22 or something and i got so people are going to yoga to do this a misappropriation man you know it's very judgy and i still see this viewpoint out there and so um yeah. you know it's not it's nothing new and it's not going anywhere it's the antagonism and what i saw over the years was the little white girl that goes to the gym to do yoga to get fit three years later is reading the bhagavad-gita you know it's mm. sometimes not, not all the time, but more often than not. Her pastor's worst nightmare. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You know, it does work because the method, the, the methods, you know, are, are designed, they're engines, they're vehicles. And so, um, you know, am I, sometimes I, you, you know, I, I don't say this often publicly, but I'll share it with you, which is like, you know, kind of Trojan horsing spirituality in in a sense. Like I respect all religions. I respect agnostics and atheists. And like, I'm not trying to convert anyone to be clear, like with our mindfulness practice at work. Um, But we are trying to say, Hey, presence is useful. And when you, the more present you are, the more you build in that meditation practice and mindfulness practice, you, might be surprised that your values shifting, you know, or your values becoming more yeah. heart centric, um, inclusive, and so on. So it's very subtle, you know. I don't. I'm posting Thich Nhat Hanh quotes and you know, workplace community board. I don't, you know, who, who knows what impact we're making because it's such a mm-hmm. it's such a big ship, it's such a massive steam engine. 
Um, but that's okay. You know, we're just, we're planting little seeds here and there. And, uh, and I'm not going to be here forever. You know, it's, it's, I've been here five years already. So, um, you know, maybe a yeah. few more, but, um, yeah, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to go full time with, with, with this kind of work. So we'll see. Yeah, totally, man. I mean, that, that's, that's me too at the end of the day, um, in an ethical way, you know, yeah, exactly. Uh, that's kind of the service base is yeah. not selling your soul. So I'm curious with that. So like, you know, you're and it seems to me that's what so many people who begin to have impact in spiritual spaces do to a degree. They do Trojan horse and in a very kind, thoughtful, mindful way. But I mean, I do think Yogananda in a way Trojan horse, the image of Christ. I mean, I, I believe he believes Jesus was an avatar, but. I also think too that it's he's very aware if he's going to go to the West, you better Absolutely. use an image that people are familiar Absolutely. with. You know, and so whatever it is you're doing, you know, whether you're at Meta or whether you're, you know, it's selling insurance or, or infiltrating an American system with you know yoga and you know Kriya Yoga or whatever, like you have to use familiar ways for people to, that's to enter because that's my thing is I I've. Yeah, I, to me, especially from in the deconstruction, specifically the deconstruction community, it seems that so often people are, and something we talked about a long time ago, there is this punk rock f- feel to it, and it's this very hurt expression. Yeah. But like, we are supposed to walk into to this wholeness, to this healing. Sozo means healing. Who am I to tell you that, right? Like, it means to become into that unified reconcil- reconciled place within to the garden that's within yeah. you. And sometimes I think we create barriers instead of bridges. And my work is to help people have a bridge to enter in, to go to the raft to the other yeah. side. Right. And what so many people do, they get hung up on again, just kind of becoming militant or fundamentalist about whatever silver, silver bullet, in my opinion, it's like, progressive Christianity is a silver bullet. Fuck. No, it's not. I went that route too. You know, like there is no thing that's going to solve all the shit you got going on inside of you. Yeah. You there, there's, um, so my point is, yeah, the, the point is, is that I want to Trojan horse and invite people into a bridge over to this expanse, not offend them. Yes. You yeah, know what beautiful. I mean? Yeah. There's, there's definitely, there's a couple of people in deconstruction whom I will not name. And I like some of their stuff, but, I definitely have seen some videos where I'm like, oh, you're working through, you know, some real anger at the situation. And yeah. and again, I mean, there's hypocrisy, there's abuse, there's not good things in the institution of all our religions. Uh, and that's something I've been clear about. I, totally. There was a little moment in my book where I described kind of the early days of the yoga groups feeling so like this is the truthiest truth. You know, it was like, oh, this is it kind yeah. of thing. And then um, yeah, dude. very well, very dishearteningly, there, there was a temple in South Austin in Dripping Springs that I would drive past. It was a Hindu temple. There's not too many Hindu temples out here. You know, there's, there's a few, but um, I would go to this little yoga group. I wouldn't think at this so. woman's house. It was really nice. She had an altar. Swamis would come. It was great. But on the way, I would drive past this totally unrelated temple, like a different and I just thought, oh, that's kind of cool. I went in there once and I wanted to feel something, but I just didn't. 
you know, there was like, there was peacocks walking around, a bunch of Indians. It was cool, but I just didn't, I was like, oh, I want the Shakti. You know, I want some kind of experience. I didn't get it. Yeah. So a couple of years later, I read about how the head guru of that temple was sexually abusing girls and women. And um, mm. he actually, I think he's still on the FBI's most wanted list. He escaped to Mexico. He went to, they took him to court and he broke bail or whatever and like made it to Mexico, made it to India. He's still at large. Um, the temple was called Barsana Dam. They renamed it. They white extinguished his presence of all of it. Um, and so it's a terrible story. Um, but the reason I bring it up is because it was useful for me, um, you know, in some capacity yeah. to say, hey, every religion has the highest heights of humanity and the most barbaric, you know, uh, undeveloped. Yeah. I mean, that's non-duality manifesting itself, yeah, exactly. right? I mean, it's there's there's nowhere that's wholly pure and wholly evil. It's it is. And, and if you have eyes to see it, ears to hear, you'll you'll find what you need what you need, exactly. you know, through that. And, and we, who knows what karma we're working out, you know? So it's exactly. Like we're just attracted to the things. And yeah. yeah. And so, you know, I, what I will so, say though, is I, you know, again, kind of honoring the East, I really do appreciate their inclusivity. I think, you know, there's a story I tell probably too much, but I can't help it. Um, the four blind men and the elephant, which <laughs> I'm sure you're familiar with, which is, Mm. you know, a really great illustration of universalism, which is four blind men, an, an elephant enters this village and the first blind man goes up to the elephant's trunk and says, oh, this, this entity is like a snake. And the second blind man goes up to the leg and says, this entity is like a column. And the third blind man goes up to the tusk and says, this entity is like a sword. And they're, you know, they're all arguing over this. And then a person with sight comes along and says, you're all correct, <laughs> but it's just one aspect. So yeah. this, the tusk is like a sword, but it's just a tusk. The leg is like a column, but it's just the leg. It's all of, all of you guys' interpretation is true. And it's all of them. And it's much more. There's all these different characteristics that you, that you haven't become aware of. Um, as well. And so I think that's a really great illustration of religious sectarianism. That's the institution. Yeah. That, that's the wars. That's the violence uh, people arguing. And, you know, really the mystic says it's all of them and more. And so that's really what that's, that's the, the role I'm trying to play in a humble way is to say, you're right. <laughs> And that's true. And you're welcome to interpret God in this way. Um, but, you know, you're, you're wrong when you think that it's the only way, basically. Exclusivity is my only yeah. issue. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and you might even have a preferred part of it. You're like, man, it's a freaking sick Oh, touch. sure. I'm exactly. That, yeah, you know? I do. Like, Absolutely. It's fine. You know? I have my own teachers and yeah, my we own all have that, that preference. Exactly. You have to, I think, in some capacity, because all of the different psychodynamic needs of human beings, you know, through modern psychology, we've seen how different we all are, beautifully different and unique. Yeah. And everyone has these different 
we're all carrying different stuff. We all have all these different, you know, psycho-emotional needs and so on. And so that's why there's all these paths. There's all everything is exactly kind of to get into the Ram Dassi stuff. Like it's all exactly designed for exactly where you are. So just find the one that is perfectly for you. Find the teacher, find the book, find the path, find the method that mirrors your exact needs mm-hmm. to, to undo you know, kind of what you're carrying. May we all find that. So with that too. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I believe I love Ram Das. He was integral for me. It still is, yeah, but especially likewise. everybody goes through their Ram Das season. I hope so. You know, yeah. um, yeah, you need to, not everyone, I guess more people should. I did, um, likewise. but he does what I appreciate about Ram Das and about some of the other, obviously Alan Watts didn't really, I think live long enough to, for the new age phenomenon to really mm-hmm. set in, in the eighties and nineties, right. you know, but Ram Das did kind of talk some shit about specifically new ways or even ragu marcus mm. you know another guy who i love who is a white dude with an Indian name <laughs> but nonetheless uh you know he was kind of bitching about some new age bullshit stuff on another podcast the other day and you know where is that i i don't want to say line because i that that can be immediately gripped as a sort of dogmatism but like how do you sort out that in a sort of like you want things to come from within you and that resonate with you that are met for your incarnation but you do want to honor the traditions that's what i think new age does that's what they're marked by is that sometimes they don't fully honor the tradition the heritage the lineage the the ways that those wisdoms passed down yeah like i think that's an injustice navigate i mean that? I, I, yeah i think the the biggest mistake new age makes is not honoring the lineage because appropriation, the definition is uh, assuming you're the inventor basically. Um, so the way to undo the appropriation yeah, yeah. is to say, this it comes from Zen Buddhism. This comes from, you know, Advaita Vedanta, whatever the tradition, this comes from native Apache indigenous spirituality, you know, uh, which I, which I try to do. Because uh, I'm, I actually have a, a small part in my book where I kind of explain what New Age is, even though it's a very general term and there's a wide, mm-hmm. wide variety. It's pretty enigmatic. You know, it's it's the culmination of a lot of different paths. It's the culmination of not just the 1900s, but the 1800s actually was already starting to question institutional religion at large. So there was these societies, the Theosophy, mm-hmm. Ed Casey. That, that you know, there's a lot that goes into what what new age is there's a lot of legitimacy frankly in um quote unquote new age um but yeah i think it it does it does the 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 main injustice is is exactly what you said not honoring that and so it takes some education i think from people and and uh you know i'm happy to point people to you know as within my own knowledge and you know limited experience in terms of like what the source of those practices are and methods are. And look, I have to, I have to go. I I would much rather talk to you for a few more hours, but we'll have to do a part two. Yeah, man. I was just about to say, yeah, it's just about to say, I don't want to keep you for too long. Uh, In the part two, if I can just leave you with this and I will respect your time here. uh, I want to talk about how your, your, 
understanding scholarly of Bible things and Yogananda's interpretation, uh, how accurate Let's those are, how those fit together. Love that. There's a lot of beef oh, about I'd love that. To. That'd be great. So I look forward to it. All right, that'll be episode awesome. two. Thanks, man. Luke. I appreciate it, brother. All right, Bye. see you, dude.